because of a promise God gave to Abraham that from his seed would come one who would bless all the nations. And although Zechariah no doubt did not anticipate everything that would happen to the Lord Jesus, he has enough of a grasp of Scripture to see that these streams are coming together through Scripture down into the focal point in history. Today on the Song Time broadcast, as we are continuing to build up anticipation for Christmas, we continue in our Advent series as we're looking at the Gospel of Luke. In this first chapter, we see the story of Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, who'd be the forerunner to proclaim that the Savior of the world has come. Stay tuned for that message, but first we'll be joined once again by Bob Lapine as we talk about the four um, emotions of Christmas. We talk about the four emotions of Advent. Uh, What are the four emotions of Christmas? The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. When it comes to Christmas season, it comes with this whole idea of joy, happiness, peace, love, and hope. Those are the themes of Advent, but they're often lacking in the reality. Our expectations of what the holiday can bring to us often fall short and leave us feeling a little bit discouraged, overwhelmed, and stressed out. Our guest today is Bob Lapine, and we're talking about his book, The Four Emotions of Christmas. And Bob, there are a lot of emotions. There is this chaos and stress that comes with the season, and probably even more so on the mothers and grandmothers out there, because they seem to take the lion's share of the workload uh, when it comes to planning, prepping, uh, decorating, and of course, shopping all of the Christmas presents that have to be uh, given out. Uh, I know that my mom always did all the shopping for my dad. Uh, but this is a season that that has all of this appeal for, for joy and gladness, but often it can be a very stressful situation. And I'm sure many of our listeners can relate. Yeah. And, and your listeners are probably exhausted just hearing us talk about right. this, but, but your calendar in December is more crowded than any other time of the year. There are uh, required activities, things that during the year, whether it's the choral concert that's going to happen, it's the office Christmas party that's taking place. And then there are the optional activities that are a part of the delight of the season. So when are we going to make cookies together? Or when are we going to uh, go shopping for presents? There's there's the whole list of objectives we're trying to accomplish during the Christmas season. And it's more crowded. And as a result, it's more stressful. In fact, one of the things I, I suggest to people in the book is really before the season is upon us, you need to ask yourself the question, when it gets to Christmas Day, what's going to matter most to me? Because there are some things on the schedule that you'd look at and go, if we don't accomplish that, okay, maybe I'll be sad, but it's not ultimately going to matter. And and this is where I tell listeners who are believers, I, I really think if we will prioritize spiritual growth, spiritual issues during the season. I I think if we are intentional about evangelism, I mean, imagine getting to Christmas and seeing three people who are friends of yours who have never been to church showing up at your Christmas Eve service. Talk about joy to the world. That's where where we're going to have real joy. And so, but but to do that, we've got to be intentional on the front end and say, I'm going to be investing in these relationships. And if we have to miss out on watching Elf one Friday night so that we can we can do these other things. Let's let's make our spiritual priorities the real priorities. Let's really do keep Jesus at the center of and as the reason for the season. 
I think now with the digital age and with social media, the pressure to measure up to all the expectations is so much higher. Uh, the stress of it all, trying to do everything because you're seeing what other people are doing and you're like, oh, I can't. The fear of missing out, right? The right. idea that right. you're not doing enough, uh, that you're not, your schedule isn't full enough when it seems like everyone else seems to be happy. And they're doing everything. Of course, they're only showing you the picture where they actually got all the kids to smile. Right. Uh, the truth is that this is a stressful season no matter what it looks like on social media. It is, and and that's where I think we have to calibrate it correctly on the front end. And we have to be ready to say no to some of the things that we feel maybe some even some obligation to. Now you got you got to weigh that out. So if there's something you're really obligated to, then you live up to your obligations. But mm. at some point, you can say no to a party you're invited to, or you can bow out of some other activity that you just say, "I can't leave room for this in my schedule." And in fact, I suggest in the book that at the beginning of the month, you map out for yourself blocks of time that are going to be times of personal rest and and refreshment and just times when you don't have anything that you're feeling pressed to do where you can take a nap or where you can get alone and read and do something to recharge your own batteries. We need Sabbaths mm -hmm. during the Christmas season. And if our schedule is so jam packed that we're not getting any rest, then no wonder there's no peace on earth when we get to the Christmas uh, celebration. Yeah, I I think of the Christmas season as a season of rest. Uh, there is a there is a little bit of. Uh, idea of rest within the season, but I think of like the season leading up to Easter as a more of an intense season where we talk about fasting and spiritual disciplines. Uh, and yet the irony is there's far more that can be done during the season leading up to Easter because people aren't so busy and the season right. that they should be resting in Christmas time is, is chaotic. Really, I think what you're saying is to prioritize the things that matter most. And obviously being a part of a church, being part of a Christian community uh, maybe churches shouldn't over overdo their scheduling as well, but making sure that at least Sabbath and rest and Sundays are a high priority on that uh, to-do list. Yeah, as a pastor, I want to make sure that this, the season of Christmas is spiritually meaningful for, for my people. I want them to be engaged, and I want their hearts to be stirred, and I want their heads to be uh, moved as well. But I do want to be sure we're guarding and not expecting that this season just adds additional pressure to an already calendar-filled season. So we have limited strategic events and activities, and we try to make sure that at least one of those activities, in our case, our Christmas Eve service, has a very evangelistic focus to it. We want our friends, our members, inviting their friends to join them on Christmas Eve at church people, again, people who don't normally go to church think to themselves, well, maybe it'd be a good idea to go to church on Christmas Eve. So it's an easy invitation, an easy ask, and we try to build a service that a person who's not used to going to church regularly will come in and feel comfortable and familiar and will hear the gospel clearly. We've been talking with Bob Lapine, who is the author of a great book called The Four Emotions of Christmas. This is a book that I'm sure addresses just about everyone in your list as you're preparing your Christmas presents and getting ready for celebrations this weekend. This is a book that can address just about every one of their concerns, but it also serves as a great witnessing tool. It's a great opportunity to hand this out to, that's actually why it was designed, to give away to unsaved friends and family and invite them to come and join us for a worship service this weekend. 
uh, this is an opportunity for you to really shine your light for the gospel. We've been challenging you through this whole season from Thanksgiving till now to think and to prepare in your mind how you're going to share your faith with loved ones. This is an opportunity. We are surrounded with so many opportunities to talk about our faith. The songs are playing on the radio. The uh, the cards are proclaiming the gospel message. All of the aspects of our culture are, are subtle hints to what we have to offer the world and the kingdom of God. Now, you might be complaining that it is becoming relegated to secularism, but there are still the fingerprints, there are still the signs, and there are so many opportunities for us to share our faith. This book is just one more resource to help you do that. And I'm sure Bob Lapine would be excited to share a copy of this book with you as a support to the ministry here at Songtime. So if you'd like to find out more information, please give our office a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or you can look us up on social media. And of course, as we continue to make all of this work and prep and remember that this is getting closer to Christmas and the end of the new year, remember that this ministry is 100% supported by listeners just like yourself. In fact, the only way that we can stay on the air for another year is with your love, your prayers, and your financial support. Let us know that you're listening. It's an encouragement to us to know that there are people out there that have been blessed by our ministry. It helps us really plan and program all of the programs that we have to put out on a daily basis. To know that you're there means the world to us. So even if it's not a a huge Christmas donation, just let us know that you're listening. Send in a donation of any amount to Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or head over to our website at songtime.com. Now we continue our study in this story of uh, the, well, interwoven stories between Mary and Zachariah. These two figures who are the parents of the two main figures that are about to be coming on the scene, John the Baptist and Jesus, but they're really focusing in on Zachariah and Mary. Their intertwining stories actually give us a lot of insight into how they respond to God. And in this take, uh, this song of Zechariah, we see that he is excited to see that his son would be the one to go before the Savior of the world, the son of David, but also in the line and the lineage of Abraham. Here is a closer look at Luke chapter 1. Here is anticipation from the line of David, and then anticipation from the line of Abraham, verses 72 and following. He has come, verse 72, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Well, now you're going back another thousand years, not a thousand BC at the time of David, but 2000 BC at the time of Abraham. Abraham, of course, was the prototypical Jew. He was the ancestor of the Hebrews. He was the first one set aside, the beginning of this entire Israelite heritage and community. So in that sense, he was ultimately David's ancestor too. But now you're looking back not to simply 
the Davidic line that comes down to Christ, but the entire Jewish line, even bigger than this Davidic line that comes down to Christ. Because this brings up the covenant that God made, this agreement that God made with Abraham 2,000 years earlier. You can find this, if you want to study it more, in Genesis 12, 15, and 17. Now, that's a remarkable account, too. God chooses Abraham in Ur of the Chaldees, in the Tigris-Euphrates system, and eventually leads him right over the Fertile Crescent into the land of what would later be called the land of Israel, who is still the land of the Canaanites. And there God promises him that he would give him this land, that he would raise up a nation from his own offspring, even though at this point Abraham was not a father. In fact, Abraham and his wife Sarah would be very old, like Zechariah and Elizabeth before the promised Isaac came along. There may even be an historical illusion in, 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 Zechariah, in Zechariah's mind when he thinks about that too. But above all, that in Abraham's seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. The choosing of Abraham was a narrowing down in order to provide an opening up. A narrowing down to one man, one woman, and the beginning of a new race, which would get narrowed down farther to the Davidic line, narrowed down finally to Jesus the God-man, in order that through this line, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. This past week, I spent time with leaders of IFES, the International Federation of Evangelical Students, from 10 of the regions of the world. There were Fijians there, and Koreans there, and Chinese there, and Africans there. And there was me from North America, and from many other places. Because of a promise God gave to Abraham 4,000 years ago. 2,000 years before Jesus. In this covenant that from his seed would come one who would bless all the nations with salvation from their bitterest enemies. And although Zechariah no doubt did not anticipate everything that would happen to the Lord Jesus, not at this juncture, he has enough of a grasp of Scripture to see that these streams are coming together through Scripture down into the focal point in history, and his son is going to announce it. For those of you who have been with us over the course of our study this past year, you'll remember that back in the month of June, we did a short study on the life of Abraham. As we look at his story and his development from Genesis 12 to Genesis 21, the various tests and trials that he went through along the way as God was helping him to grow in faith. Abraham didn't always follow God's leading. In fact, many times he stumbled and fell, but God always gave him an opportunity to do what was right. God showed grace to him, but we know that in the story of Abraham, in Genesis chapter 15, it says that he believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. 
And that story is the foundation of both Zachariah's story as well as Mary's story. These interwoven, contrasting stories between these two main characters in this first chapter of Luke give us some insight on the struggle and the the obedience factor of following God in faith. Zechariah initially questioned the power of God, even though he was in the midst of praying for the very thing that the angel was there to tell him God was going to answer. You know, when God shows up and tells you, I'm going to answer your prayer, and you say, yeah, I don't think so. I'm not so sure this is even possible. What were you doing praying about it? Uh, Obviously, the prayer that Zechariah was making was for a son, but also for the people of Israel, so that they would have a redeemer. That's what he was praying for, redemption for the people of God. And then the angel shows up and says, I'm going to give you an answer, not just to that prayer, but also to the prayer you've been having your whole life to have a son. And he goes, eh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to need a sign. You're going to need to show me some reassurances that this is even possible. Uh, he doubted the power and the, the answer to prayer. But then Mary has this amazing testimony where she sees the the promise of, of God through Gabriel and says, I am your servant. Do with me as you say you will do. This response is the real testimony, the bead for this whole story. She responded in the same manner that Abraham responded. She believed God and it was counted to her as righteousness. She was blessed here in the story not because she was able to be the vessel of God, but she was blessed because she heard the word of God and she did the word of God. She was obedient. And that is the same for you and for me. We can be like Mary and we can be like Zachariah when we are obedient to our calling. Now, I know that many of us struggle with that, just like Zachariah, but God is gracious, just like he was with Zachariah, just like he was with the those times with Abraham in the Old Testament. The beautiful picture that we have here, though, is that God in his graciousness calls us back to follow him, to learn from his example, and to do what he says. A beautiful picture. I hope that these two stories, seen side by side, have helped you especially consider God's calling in your life to be a witness. You are the many voices for that one message. It's not just us. It's not just the voices that we put on our radio broadcast. We are investing into you the message of hope and asking you to share that with those around you. Be a witness. Share the good news. Talk about what you've been learning with somebody else. And let's grow in faith together. If we've been able to encourage you today and over the course of this year, as you consider your Christmas giving, please remember Songtime and your end-of-the-year donations. This is a ministry that is 100% supported by you, our listening audience. And if we're going to stay on the air for another year, it's going to be because of your support. Let us know that you're listening. Let us know that you care. Let us know that you have been blessed and be a blessing to us in return. And be a blessing to the whole community of of listeners to the Songtime broadcast because they will be encouraged as well. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com 
or you can look us up on social media. But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue our study looking at this call in in John the Baptist's life to be the forerunner of Christ and why we share with him in that same commission. John the Baptist will be great because he's going to call the entire nation to repentance, contrition, new paths of righteousness, and anticipation of the visitation of the Lord. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Luke 2:14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. <laughs>